Let us pray. God, help us all uh, take our ears and hear through them. Take our minds and think through them. And take our hearts and set them on fire for Christ's sake, we pray. Amen. Well, last weekend, um, a lot of us were out uh, at the coast for our uh, PMC retreat. Um, it had been a yearly event, but uh, with COVID, we'd had to cancel it for the last two seasons. And it was, it was great to be back out there. And if you missed it, uh, you can ask anyone who, who went. So last Sunday morning, uh, we gathered for worship in the meeting house there at the Twin Rocks Retreats, Retreat Grounds. And uh, as we've done uh, ev almost every year, in fact, we did it last year, we had a special service out there. Uh, we went out to the ocean uh, to baptize two people, uh, Isaac Lutz and Lucy uh, Knight King. And whenever we walk to the beach, there's a, there's a spot where I always stop. And if you've been to the retreat center, you might know it. And even if you haven't, you can maybe imagine it from the time that you've been out at the Oregon coast. From the meeting house, we cross over this pedestrian walkway over 101, and you walk down a little lane until you come to the end of the pavement. And then you have to walk for about 20 or 25 yards through the sand dunes. And that's where I always stop. It's still there because you're out of the wind. And there, there's the grasses that grow in the dunes, and often there's some yellow wildflowers there, and there's some driftwood there. And you look out from that spot, you look out across the beach, and there's a little stream that's running out to the ocean, and there's the crashing surf. And then off to the north, high up is, is Neoconi Mountain, and then there's the Twin Rocks right in front of you, and then just the vast expanse of the sea. And from that spot, beauty spills out everywhere. Now last Sunday, I wish it had been a little drier and a little warmer. And knowing that we were going to go in the ocean for these baptisms, I actually wished it was a lot warmer. But my heart still swelled in that spot with a sense of awe and wonder and gratitude and praise. At that spot, in that moment, these words of the psalmist resonated. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise the Lord in the heights. Praise the Lord, all his angels, all his hosts, sun and moon and shining stars. Praise him, you highest heavens, you heavens, you uh, waters above him. I mean, it's an almost ecstatic litany of praise. All creation sings to God. All creation is alive to God. That the hymn we sang earlier echoes it. It's a new hymn for us. So I'd like you to look at it again. It's number 175 in Voices Together. Look at, listen to those words again. We sang this for the first time out there and again today. Planets humming as they wander, stars aflame with silent song, galaxies that spin on endless, melodies afar but strong. God's creation tunes its carol far beyond our mortal gaze. Heavenly bodies help us listen to the boundless song of praise. It's a hymn that's new to us, but it's as old as the song. All of creation alive to God. There are moments in our lives, moments of such beauty, when that sense of wonder and awe and gratitude comes alive in us. Whether we're standing on the dunes at the ocean or hiking up in the mountains in the shadow of the Cascades, maybe it's listening to the symphony, or maybe it's just smiling at a picture that's been posted on your refrigerator that your child or your grandchild or your niece or your nephew or your neighbor gave to you. Those moments of that kind of beauty are for me a source of deep hope. 
hope because even in a world that's marred by exploitation and hatred and violence, even in a world that can get pretty ugly at times, beauty still breaks through. Beauty is still possible. Beauty is still being created. And for me, that's a source of hope. And it's not just hope in our human capacity, although that's a wonder. The beauty of the sunset or winsome song or lovely quilt, all of it points to the one who created a world of such beauty, the one who created a world with the capacity for such beauty. N.T. Wright calls beauty an echo, an echo of the voice of God, God who created and God who continues to create. I like what Kurt shared up here with the kids today. I also like the way that G.K. Chesterton describes the creative capacity of God. This is from his book, Orthodoxy. G.K. Chesterton writes, it is possible that God says every morning, do it again to the sun, and every evening, do it again to the moon. It may not be automatic monotony that makes all daisies alike. It may be that God makes every daisy separately, but has never gotten tired of making them. I love that image. The beauty of the daisy or of a ripe tomato or a dug fir all echoes the creative and the recreative power of God. That beauty gives so a couple weeks ago, I was driving, I was driving, uh, I, don't, I don't remember where I was driving, but a song came on the radio. I never heard it before. It was uh, Yo-Yo Ma and Edgar Meyer, and I think Mark O'Connor might have been playing as well. It was titled Etienne et Petunia, which apparently are the names of their instruments. I didn't know that. But to my ear, in that moment, that song was winsome. It was beautiful, and as I listened, I could feel a rekindling inside of joy, of, of energy, of gratitude, of hope. And in that moment, I realized I need more beauty in my life. I need to make more room for beauty. For me, and I suspect for a lot of us, it's too easy to get locked onto projects and priorities and focus narrows down and we get pretty short-sighted. And then we miss the gifts that surround us. I love the lines from, uh, from the poet Elizabeth Barrett Browning. Earth's crammed with heaven and every common bush alive with God. Only the one who sees Take off their, takes off their shoes. The rest sit around and pluck blackberries. It's easy to miss the beauty around us. Now, of course, beauty's in the eye of the beholder, so it's different for each of us. But whether it's a walk in the woods or listening to music or painting or sharing a meal with friends or just finding a spot to sit down and be still and watch and listen, look for beauty and join in the chorus of all creation. Now, if the psalmist stopped there in Psalm 148, um, the psalmist's song would ring a little hollow. Because we all know that beauty is fleeting, that beauty fades. Um, you smell a rose and the scent soon fades. Uh, you go to a concert, when you get home, you download the music and listen to it on Spotify, but it's, it's never quite the same. Uh, we go up to Tahoma, we go up to Mount Rainier National Park, and every time I go, I take a ton of pictures of the exact same thing I took a ton of pictures of last time, and when I go home and look at them, I'm always a little disappointed. Beauty's fleeting. And most days, we're much more aware uh, of the pain, of the brokenness, uh, the injustice, the chaos of, of our lives, of our world. So it's significant that in Psalm 148, the psalmist goes on uh, in verse 7 to write, Praise the Lord from the earth, you sea monsters, 
and all deeps, fire, hail, snow, and frost, and stormy winds. Sea monsters. That doesn't come to mind when I think of beauty. In fact, in the biblical story, in the time of the, of the psalmist, sea monsters represented chaos and vulnerability and danger. This is Leviathan that the psalmist is writing about. And it's not just the biblical story. You know, in the Middle Ages, uh, map makers, when they would come out to the edge of their maps, which meant they were coming out to the edge of their knowledge of the world, they would add dragons. And sometimes they would write the words, Hic sunt draconis. Here be dragons. Here be vulnerability. Here be danger. There's one map from the, ninth, uh, from the 1400s that has a ferocious creature drawn out at the edge, and then underneath are the words, here also are huge men having horns four feet long, and there are serpents also of such magnitude that they can eat an ox whole. That does not sound very beautiful. Now these days, there is not much that's unknown to us. The margins of our maps go out. Well, we have a rover up mapping Mars right now. We have telescopes that are taking pictures of distant black stars. And, uh, and for that matter, the GPS in our cars can, most of the time, tell us exactly where we are. There's not much that's unknown anymore, but there are still monsters. Missiles bombing shelters in Ukraine, bullets killing journalists in Palestine, economic systems that enrich some of us and leave others desperately poor. And if we're honest, we each know our capacity to be deceptive, to be hurtful, um, to be sinful. The psalmist is aware of the chaos, of the vulnerability, of the dangers that stalk us, that live inside of us sometimes. And still the psalmist writes, praise the Lord, you sea monsters. The psalmist is utterly realistic. And at the same time, hold on to hope. Hope that, the God, that God, who in the beginning called creation forth from the primordial chaos, can, in the midst of the chaos that we've created, make the world whole and holy again. It's the vision of, of Isaiah. We see it in the, in, the, in the peaceful kingdom window right off to the right here. I'm on my right. The wolf shall live with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the kid, the calf and the lion, the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. They will not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain. For the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. That's what the writer John sees in Revelation. I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and I heard a voice saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them as their God and wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. For the first things have passed away, and the one who is seated on the throne said, See, I am making all things new. In Easter tide, we are called to trust that in the life and death and resurrection of Jesus, that in the victory of life over death, of love over fear, of hope over despair or apathy or cynicism, that God is working in and around and through us to make all things new. Last Sunday when we walked out to the ocean, and, and you see a picture of it on the front of the bulletin, and it's pretty cold out there. But last Sunday when we walked out to the ocean, we went down to the edge of the water, and, and we read as we prepared for these baptisms from Romans chapter 6, where Paul writes, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we have been buried with him by baptism into 
death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Death and life, old and new. When we are baptized, we symbolically die to the old ways, to the deathly ways, and then we are raised, raised up out of the water, raised to new life, raised to a new way of living, a new way of living together. It's the way of living that Jesus embodied, that he describes for us. He calls it the kingdom of God. It's the beloved community in which everyone is welcome and everyone has what they need to thrive. A community where we trust that every, there's enough for everyone rather than needing to hoard what we're afraid we'll need. It's a community that believes in the power of forgiveness rather than seeking to settle scores. It's a beloved community that holds on to the hope that we can love one another, that we can love our neighbors, that we can even love our enemies as God has loved all of us. So that vision, that hope, that promise ought to make us pretty regularly ask, what do I, what do we, what do you need to die to? What's hurtful, what's harmful to others? What are the creatures of the skies and the seas? What are the earth itself? What do you need to die to? What's deathly? And then, what can we do that's life-giving, that seeks justice, that repairs relationships, that generates hospitality? In Eastertide, we're called to trust that in that victory of life over death, God is working in and around and through us to make all things new. I want to finish with a poem today that it was new to me. It's a prayer, really. It comes from the Jewish tradition. And Vicki Kenyon, I don't know if she's here, but she's the one who shared it with me. Maybe some of you are familiar with it. Days pass and the years vanish, and we walk sightless among miracles. God, fill our eyes with seeing and our minds with knowing. Let there be moments when your presence, like lightning, illumines the darkness in which we walk. Help us to see, wherever we gaze, that the bush burns unconsuming, and we, clay touched by God, will reach out for holiness exclaim in wonder, how filled with awe is this place, and we did not know it. Blessed is the eternal one, the holy God. There's such beauty, such hope. Thanks be to God. Amen.